Welcome to the Along Come Norwich podcast, a fabulous foray into the finer fog of a footy fan's thoughts. I'm Tom, and I'm joined as ever by my chums, John Punt. Hello. Andrew Lorne. Hey, Roy. And we're delighted to welcome Norwich City's finest ever wearer of the number 17 shirt, Adrian Forbes. Good evening. You join us, Nodgecasters, as we recap one of the finest away performances on record. Countdown to a tough test for Farkas men this Saturday. We'll put your questions to the legendary player come Carrow Road hype man Forbesy and round off with the old trusty fact agnostic ACN quiz. <laughs> First, let's drool over the goals from Saturday. I remember a 4-0 win against West Brom at the last day of the season. I remember a uh, goal of the season contender strewn first half against Forest not so long ago with Houseman and Wes. Mr. Lorne, can you think of uh, a former time when we had two, three, four beautiful goals in a row? No, I can't. Punt? This is going to be a brilliant segment, mate. Well done. Well prepared. Taking all the best ones out of the way. Oh, I think, can you remember where you beat Leeds 4 0 away, like 93, 94? Goss Jeremy Goss under side of the bar. Wondergaard. I'm sure there was another couple of it's goals. 1 1, it's 3 1, wasn't it? No, it was 4. No, it was 4 something. You can Google it, mate. It's 4-0. Right, right. right. And like you checking facts. Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that uh, the Forest one, the Forest home game with Wes and Hyson just pipped it in terms of... But didn't one of them come off the bar and then off the back of the goalkeeper's head, though? One of those like brilliant lobs. Was wasn't it keeper assisted? Didn't that you get Pritchard? injured during... Wasn't that the Pritchard 2-0 against... Brighton, no. I want to say, and then he got injured in the in the. Oh no, you're right. In the cause in the cause of actually trying to say. No, you're right. right. He did get injured. That's actually. why I, I thought it was the I thought it was the Forest game. So that's why I actually would give it Bolton. I'd give it to Bolton because they were team goals rather than like at some point you can even I can catch a volley like Wes caught one. Hmm. I, I didn't say house it. I said Wes. <laughs> okay. I can't catch one like house and caught one, but anyone can a one off like thwack, but. The goals on Saturday were so good from so many players that, no, I can't think of a better example of four excellent goals. What's the best goal out of those four? four That's a difficult one. I think, if you think it's what we've just talked about there with the actual passing and movement and the actual team goal, it's really, really difficult with my coach's head on to, to pick one. But I think as Pookie just plays that one back... His oh, vision, the, no look, yeah. 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 the yeah. vision, and the no look and the reverse pass, I think for me, is exceptional. To, because the no look, it's putting it into player's path. It's the right weight of pass, so he can be hit first yeah. time. I think for me, that that's got to take it for me. And it was some really nice team play to get to get to free Pookie up as well. And yeah. the other thing I like about the Pookie no look pass is everyone expected him to hit it. Yeah. And now, if he gets put in that same situation on Saturday, the Bristol City defenders aren't. Mm-hmm. Aren't going to be so sure he's going to hit it, yeah. and it catches them in two minds. So. And I also think just on that as well, I think that shows a lot about the club and that squad of players at the moment. Because I've played with many a striker that is through on goal in that position. They're not thinking about anyone else other than I'm going to get goal number whatever it is for the season. Yeah. So for me, the fact that you've got a prolific goal scorer in a perfectly good goal scoring position, you could maybe say a bit of an acute angle potentially but the fact that he was comfortable and confident to set his teammate up I think also speaks volumes for the player and the squad at this moment in time as well do you think he's got any chance of getting to Ralph Hunt's 33 he's 9 off isn't he is it 31 or 31 I think it's 33 all competitions is that the record in the okay. season yeah and so he goals is 31 right okay so because he's basically 9 goals off with 13 to go <sighs> unless we get the playoffs so. <laughs> yeah. unless we get the playoffs well, is that technically in the season? I guess the end yeah, of the season count. it adds on. Yeah. I, I think it, it, to, to get another nine or so goals, even with the amount of games that's left, it, it's going to be a big ask. But I think you can quite safely say he's not going to finish a million miles off. Yeah. You can see him finish two or three short of it, but either way, it's going to be a fantastic return for the season for him. Yeah, he's got like eight and six now, hasn't he? I can't, like, he cannot continue that sparkling run of form. No. He's going to have a bit of a dip next night or next 13 games. I really like that thing that Farker said in the, at the Norwich uh, Social Club event yesterday where he said he said to his strikers at the start of the season, I want 35 goals from you three. I don't care how many of you score how many goals, but I want 35. Mm-hmm. And I think someone worked out that they were already on 36. So 
it's been a phenomenal season, hasn't it? Yeah, and I think we one of the things I was looking at in the in the, doing the prep for Bristol City was also that they've got the so Bristol City obviously game coming up it looks looks tough on 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 paper from a form point of view, but then we should be confident going into every game. Uh, their top scorer's got nine. You know, and, and then I thought, oh, maybe they've shared the goals around. No, nope, not really. They don't score a lot. <laughs> no, they don't. They've only scored, they've only scored three uh, or more twice all season. And bearing in mind, you have to score three to have a chance of a point against City. You know, <laughs> that's how many we get an injury time. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's, once we start trying, we get three. So, or, or Preston, you have to get to the third one to kind of put us off. Um, yeah, I, go, 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 going back to what you were saying about the, um, about the, the, the kids that you're looking after, um, is that something you'll then t- talk to about, or something that, that they'll be buzzing about talking about? You know, when they get into to playing on the Monday. Yeah, they, they do. You know, it's, it's well documented. A lot of the boys obviously are Norwich, Norfolk based, so we'll watch the first team play over weekend anyway. And I think the club's getting a lot of airtime at the moment. So you know, every as soon as you turn the TV on, it's there. And goals like that were scored at the weekend um, are obviously going to be shown all over the place. So I think the beauty of seeing goals like that. Is it's immense what we're doing as a group of academy coaches because the the philosophy runs from the first team all the way down to the under nines, tens, elevens that I look after, and we've got to implement the same style of play. And it, it's great that we can see our players of the younger age groups doing it day in, day out, weekly basis, and our games program games on a Sunday. But it's great that they can now come in and go, "Oh, Formsy, did you see so and so's goal on the weekend? We did that in training, or etc. Cetera, etc." Cetera. So it it's. You've almost got 11 great role models now, week in, week out, on a match day. And it is filtering down and having a massive impact on the younger players in the club as well. Something Delia said though, wasn't it, when we spoke to her and Michael, um, that there's now, whatever she, she called it, Daniel's Daniel's football, rather than Farkable. Yeah, but, but Yeah, but you know, it's Delia, give it, give it, yeah, yeah. And she, she basically was saying, they've now got these cameras now set up and, and you yep. can see all, all ages are playing Daniel's style throughout, throughout the club. And how much how much do you think has changed this season to last season in how how well that has filtered down? Uh, before I would say that there was a little bit of a a grey area in the middle in that you had the academy would play a certain way, um, then the closer it got to wide classes real football where points are at stake etc. There was a, it was a bit muddy. There was it wasn't really the first team style. It wasn't the academy style. It was just our style. Whereas um, with Daniel Stuart Webber now, they've made it quite clear that the under nines we were playing seven v seven, or the under elevens we were playing nine v nine before they go into eleven v eleven at under twelves. They must play in exactly the same style. They must build their attack from defence through midfield and into the final third. Um, so my job as the foundation phase lead coach with nines, tens, elevens is to make sure that a my coaches implement that style of play throughout their training sessions and then the games on the weekend and ultimately that if Stuart Webber comes along or if the manager comes along or if Steve Weaver the academy manager I want him to be able to see a tiny little bunch of first team players running around or playing the same way and at present you speaking know, German yeah <laughs> <laughs> at present you know the, they are doing that so it's really pleasing to see and ultimately then you know when they step off from under 9 to 10 10 to 11, etc, etc, 16, 18, 18, 23, 23, first team, there should be all the key messages in the understanding of what Daniel's going to expect or whoever that manager may be when the under nine gets through, you know, the same rules apply and they should be able to hit the ground running. The way that Fark has been going recently, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if you put like a, an under nine on the bench, like if you, if you felt he was good, good enough to play. At that age, how, how like broad is the sense of you're looking at just a technical base or can you see a player at nine and you think you're going to make it? You, you can, you can and you know you can never, especially when they're nine, you can never say 100% they're going to make it because there's many a pitfall that they're going to find along the way. I think one of the things that um, the scout that found me, Colin Watson and another scout, his name was Gordon Bennett, true, <laughs> believe it or not, but he said Forbes would be great until potentially he finds the free bees. What the hell are the free bees? Birds better than booze. Mm. and <laughs> at the time you think oh, what are you going on about but then as you go through your journey you can understand how it sounds horrible those three B's can be a massive distraction yeah. they're nine who knows what could happen in that period of time but you do notice at that age that players will have some real core attributes that if they can make those attributes the best they can be whilst working on the ones that they need to improve on you can see that talent already you do you really think that's can. probably easier now with the, the, the fact the game's got so much more technical do you think it's probably easier now to, to spot the, the, the diversification between who, who's going to make it and who isn't than maybe even in the mid-90s when you were starting, like, youth career, when, when you were in the youth team? Like, was, was it 
there's so much more was it, it was about fitness then you know if he runs and runs and runs all day then he can probably do a job in division two or division three so if he's six foot at 11 yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll, we'll take it yeah, puts <laughs> we'll his head it. in the way of anything yeah. yeah and you know me obviously I work quite closely with Darren Kenton as well because um, Kenton's in as an academy coach and me and Darren ask ourselves that question now would we get through now if we were the same player we were. Well, well he said on this podcast earlier yeah. in this, this season, was it last season, he said, I don't think yeah, I'll have a career. He wasn't having it. What about and you? I don't think I would. I think the only difference, love you, love you to bits and all, Ken's, was I was really quick. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. there was always a call for a quick player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I might have got away with it then, but certainly, and I hold my hands up, technically, no. Technically, no, I'm a million miles off what I'm watching my under-11s do, as an example, a million miles off. Do you think that's the quality of coaching that kids are getting nowadays? If you'd have had that quality of coaching, do you think technically you'd have been a much If you'd have had you. If I'd have had me as a coach, wow, the career, the career would have had. I think it, it's, it's an interesting one. You know, the, the coach I had here as a youth team player, Keith Webb, was, was superb. Mm. And ultimately, I owe, I owe him a hell of a lot. And, you know, if I go back to grassroots time and one of my main coaches there is a chap called Jim O'Shea, mm. who I don't think had a coaching qualification under his belt mm. but he managed to get us to play but I think nowadays there's so many the dad in the park now has that level 2 coaching qualification so he has a better understanding of football and also you know you can learn a lot from watching Monday Night Football mm. and the tactics and what these really good qualified now ex-players that could be coaches or ex-players that know their game you can learn so much from that and that expertise is now filtering through to the young grassroots player on a Sunday so I think players are naturally better but I think also what is available to the young players certainly at Colney now I mean you mentioned the cameras what the boys can now take from those cameras is every training session is filmed every foot every match they play on the weekend is filmed they can now get their clips of each time they specifically touch the ball, they can just go and watch something at home and watch themselves back and critique their own performances. And if they see something they've done well, they can put it on a little message which comes to me mm -hmm. as their coach. Uh, Forbesy, um, I think I received that great on my back foot there. I can go straight back to him and go, yeah, I thought that was brilliant. What could you have done? The amount of detail and information that they can get to really develop and hone their skills now is just light years away from what I expected mm -hmm. it to be when I was you know, 14, 15, 16 coming through here in Norwich. You mentioned pundits, and there's, there's a lot of debate about it's, it's, it's become the more different broadcasters that have got different rights of different chunks. There's obviously so many more pundits, and most of them now are ex-players of some kind yeah. or another. Um, so now it's become a, a good kind of pub conversation of arguing about who the best and worst pundits are. Yeah. So who would you say are the, those that are the ones you prefer to listen to and watch the most, or the ones that you actually think actually that insight is bang on, that is not far off what might be being talked about on the tactics board in the changing room. Oh, that's a difficult one. I think everyone looks to say, Jamie Carrigo and Neville as two that you go, okay, brilliant, the insight, the detail they can give you. But for me, and I don't know if it's because I was an attack-minded player, I loved listening to Thierry Henry. Okay. I think it was the way he put his information across. I don't know if it was a smooth, relaxed mm. accent that sort of drew you in a little bit, but I just liked his attention to detail and how he put it across. I felt was easier for me, and certainly some of my players have said the same as well. They liked how he put things across. But also you look at, from a defensive point of view, and I think that's probably what I look at with Carragher and Neville, they're both defensive-minded players, whilst they obviously can see everything else. Um, I'm an attacker in my head, so I want someone that sees the attacking intent and will really drill down and pull apart someone's movement, uh, whether it be a striker, wide player, decision making and when he should have put that cross in, strikers timing and movement, that draws me in a little bit more. So for me, it'd definitely be Henri was the one. I he think might be back soon. Henri was for me <laughs> yeah. was the first one who moved it on from just describing what you were physically mm -hmm. seeing and started to explain why you were seeing yes. that happening. And I remember it there was a half time and it was a super Sunday game. And I think it was Arsenal. And an Arsenal centre-half got caught on the ball. And the opposition scored. And uh, I think Carragher was one of the pundits at the time. And he was lambasting him for not just getting rid. And he said, if, you've, if you're being closed down, get it away. That's safety first. And Henri said, no, I completely disagree. The reason I would want my defender to take that chance is by sucking a striker forward, mm -hmm. what you do is you create a gap, six or seven passes down the move and he was the only person I'd ever heard as a pundit explain why you would take a risk and to have the foresight to think well actually 
that that instant of him being caught on the ball or receiving the pass wasn't the important bit. That was happening for six or seven other things to happen six, later six. on. Yeah. And I think that that for me was like really mind not mind blowing, but really opened my mind to the fact that football isn't just what happens right this second, but there's some thought gone into what will happen next. Yeah. Punt, who's your favourite pundit and your least favourite? Least favourite. Oh, least favourite. Mark Keir and Easy. Really easy. <laughs> <laughs> garbage. Shave a chimp and put it on the telly. It'll yeah. be a better job. Yeah. Um, I really like Gary Neville because I just think the way in which he delivers his message with passion, with common sense, proper analysis, he's looking at everything that's happened. He's, again, I think going back to Lorne's point, he's telling you why it's happened. He's telling people what they've got wrong, what they could have done as an alternative. Yeah, he's great. Didn't buy us a drink at the Football League Awards, though, did he? I don't think he, he did. Didn't, didn't even look at us, I don't think. He was talking to Robbie Savage. He didn't, even, talk talk to didn't even look at us. I saw a thing on Twitter today where Matt Letizia, uh had a pop at Martin Keogh. And I thought, if you're being put in your place by Matt Letizia, then you've got a way to go. And it was because yesterday in the Man City Schalke game, uh, Aguero came off and Keogh said on commentary, oh, Aguero coming off, you don't see that very often. And uh, Letizia pulled up the stat that of 21 games this season, Aguero has been bought off 17 times. <laughs> so, actually. <laughs> so, what, so you mentioned the, the, the Man City game. Um, VAR is obviously something that's been in and out of the headlines and apparently I didn't see the game myself. Um, they, there were two decisions that they took ages with and it was dodgy and the screen wasn't working properly. So again, Forbes, you coming to you, is... is from a from a player's point of view, how eager are are the professionals to get to get VAR in up and down the country in all in all games? I'm really really torn on it. I think part of the love of football is that uncertainty and the the arguments and the discussions in the pub afterwards because actually you know what that goal did cross the line mm. and the referee didn't give it. Referees are completing that or whatever. I think that is football. That is it's an opinion based game and we know that and I think. If you're the, I'll give you, I'll give you a minor story. So I'm playing against, we're playing, my under 11s are playing against Tottenham. It's 2-2, two -two. referee's got to give a penalty to Tottenham. It's a Stonewall penalty, referee's not giving it. I'm actually going, because I know he's not giving it. And inside I'm like, yes, so to play it again. Ref, I can't believe you've not given that. It's definitely a pen. <laughs> I've got one of my 11s having a moan at me. going, Forbes, what are you doing? Why, why are you trying to get them a penalty? Shut up. So I'm like, okay, brilliant. So I'm looking at that from Tottenham's point of view. They want VAR because it's a penalty, they deserve it. But equally, from my point of view, I'm like, Shh, we don't need anyone to know. I'm on the school of thought of keep it as it was, really old school, that you don't get situations. Neil Harris the other week, mm. when he shouting at the yeah. Millwall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Turn the big screen off. Yeah. off. Yeah. Turn it off. It, I prefer it how it was back in the day. Some you're going to win, some you're going to lose, some you'll get right, some you won't. It's the nature of the beast. I think... Do you not feel that you know the tap's turned on now? It is. It is it's, it's, it's only going to be more and more. Same as goal line technology. It's, it's going. Yeah. The, the more prevalent it gets, the easier and the cheaper it will be to, to roll it through the leagues. I wanted to hate it. Then during the World Cup, I really like because you're quite purist. You're on the purist side of the fence with most things. Aren't yeah. you? It's just on the hipster side of the fence. <laughs> most things. The purest side. Players' beards, he likes. See, I, I, was not, I went with a nice way, yeah. but punt, no, critical again. Uh, what do you mean? Classic hipster. Yeah. Classic. You could take that as a compliment. Hip, hip, hipster is a criticism. I was quite. He's not a hipster. He's a purist. Well, not in the way he dresses. Sorry, come on, mate. He dresses in the clothes that you've given him. Right, not those ones. These are my clothes. Okay. Um, then the, all of the clothes that he brings in in a bag for you after a podcast recording that you take home, they become, they your, become clothes. your clothes. I think it shows how well Norwich is doing. Even Forbes' pies on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm second guessing on that. He's only just discovered that you've got second guess. Forbes <laughs> gets all this from CNA. Apparently yeah, well, so. Yeah. We'll get some. Apparently so. You can tell how well Norwich is doing that we're talking clothes, VAR, pundits. It's, not it's almost boring when you win a pub. Uh, I wanted to hate VAR, and then during the World Cup, I really, really liked it. And now in the regular season again, I dislike it and I think for me it comes down to the world I think it works really nicely in the World Cup because the World Cup is a TV spectacle rather than a being there spectacle and the crowd that you get at a World Cup match is probably 90% neutral. neutral so there isn't that sort of tribal screaming for every decision um, it doesn't really matter if decisions take a little bit longer because you're not you're not taking anything away from the game whereas in the Champions League or in the Premier League or in the Championship the immediacy is part of the 
part of the joy of being there. And it's not a TV event. It's a it's a being there event. So I would have it for the World Cup, but I wouldn't have it in domestic football. Well, there's a uh, just to use another analogy from a sport where it's been really established for a long time in NFL, which I follow equally as, as closely as I do football. So hardly at all. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I compose equally factually <laughs> inaccurate NFL quizzes. Um, so... There's the, in the in a, in a crucial game that's the equivalent of like the semi-final of, of their big competition. Um, a team was on the verge of um, going to the Super Bowl, um, and you know they only have one trophy they play for every year, so the be-all and end-all of that season um, was taken away from them with a, a, a horrendous refereeing decision, which during normal time would have been absolutely fine. Um, but because of the, 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 the not going to too much technical detail, but it was a bit of the game where they couldn't use their version of VAR, basically. Is it because they're allowed challenges then? Or? Sort of. It's to yeah, do with okay. the type of foul it is. So some, so a bit like saying you can use VAR for penalties, but you couldn't use VAR for an offside. Yeah. If you see what I mean. So basically, because of, the, because of where they were on the field and what, what was happening, it meant that actually that couldn't be challenged, that couldn't be overruled, they couldn't go to it. So that was done on the referee not seeing it. Okay. When, when you actually see... It was one of those things where as a fan sitting at home, I didn't need a replay to see that that was a blatant foul. Um, but the point is, and that would have basically iced the game, that would have been it. The Saints would have gone to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots anyway, so it wouldn't make any difference. Sorry, NFL, no one's interested. How many listeners show can we lose in by talking It's a about podcast, NFL. you just press fast forward. <laughs> but, no, but, you just, but, but my point is that that is, a, that is something that the haters will, will, or a VAR will call upon. That, that um, Since the mid-90s, they took the replay back and brought it back in. So since the mid to late-90s, Replay has been a feature of the NFL, and all and they, they tend to go for new things. They change the rules every year in the NFL to try and make things tighter and better. They have still not got to a perfect solution where actually um, they're giving it quickly. There's people, the fans are complaining about how long um, those things are taking, and these are American football people. Now they it takes three hours to do a game, and yeah. they're complaining about the length of time. But I think you can use it really easily for sports that has been successfully used in like cricket with Hawkeye, it's easy, it, you know, it's black and white. Tennis, Hawkeye, again, it's black and white. Once you get into subjective decisions... It's contact sport. What you've just named there is two things that aren't a contact exactly. sport. And I again, right. uh, so with NFL, you, you, have, with you have things where you come together and you... Be, exactly, because yeah. again, it's, it's, it's exactly. a great thing. As soon as it's two human beings coming together to make something happen, that's when you've just got... Even with five camera angles, sometimes it isn't clear. Um, having said that, I'm, I'm firm advocate for it and I, and I do believe that um, it should be similar to the NFL in that there should be some things like penalties, offsides, you know, did it cross the line we've already got with goal line technology, yeah. we basically look, if it's affecting a goal a goal decision, decision. Yeah. Um, then you basically let the play run whilst it's being checked by the person on, on the side of the, pit, the fourth official um, and then if, ne- and if, the, if the team then goes and scores a goal down the other end mm-hmm. and yeah, okay, that might seem like a farce or whatever, but they shouldn't have scored because actually it should have been a goal be or a penalty on the other end, but the point is you keep playing and also that would make people play to the whistle more mm-hmm. and it might also tend to stop people diving. So instead of diving, you say, right, I know the fourth official is going to have a quick look at that because it was in the box, so I'll stay on my feet as long as I can, try and finish the chance and then it almost becomes like a a video version of, um, of, of an advantage of playing on because they can see, okay, that didn't result in a goal, but I can see a few steps before. He managed to stay on his feet, but he was clipped. He That's was a clipped. penalty. Yeah. So I, I, do, I do think football should keep investing in it and it will be the big tournaments where it takes these big jumps forward. Saturday. Looking forward to Saturday. Um, they're on quite the run. There's 13 unbeaten now uh, for the Robins. Are they the Robins? Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. research that bit. Yeah. Well uh, five wins on the bounce. They've had eleven days rest since in the their last game. In the league, they played Saturday in the FA Cup. Yeah, five league wins on the bounce. Um, and yeah, they had, but they haven't had eleven days rest because they played Saturday in the FA Cup. You see, this is why you should fact check things. I, I agree. <laughs> I'm not the one <laughs> not fact checking. Really I got this off. I got this off uh, transfer market. Which a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, headings of the stats columns were words I didn't recognise. <laughs> I still thought that will do. That's fact. Um, so anyway, uh, in that thirteen match unbeaten run, it might might not be that we don't know now. Um, I think was, you're, you're broadly correct. Yeah, it was, a two, it. was a two was a two two draw with Norwich at Dean Ashton Gate in December, which had that glorious Max Aaron's equaliser yeah. and um, Stevens. Then we go one nil up, one nil up, two one down. Yeah, yeah. They, they scored either side of, either side, uh, of yeah. half time really quickly. Um, Forbesy, any memorable equalisers that, that come to mind from your storied career? Memorable equalisers, niche equalisers. Wow. Great well, it wouldn't be niche if it was memorable, would it? Oh. Well, I'd, if it was generic, you, you don't tend to remember equalisers. No, that's what I'm thinking. I, I don't know if I, I remember would. Max Aaron's. That was in December. 
<laughs> top work. Yeah. Good edit. After I saw it in transfer market, good edit. <laughs> no, I can't remember any real any equalizers. I would say that really stick out. Well, I think you you might remember the first goal or said last minute goal, which Norwich like to get at the minute in time. But no, no real equalizers that I go. No. I remember Tim the Carson other, against I remember, last season. Yeah, that was decent. That was yeah. a memorable yeah. equaliser. Yeah. Morrison uh, at the Emirates, three three. Yeah, wasn't last minute, but it was far enough towards the end that we thought we'd probably get away. Yeah, yeah. Forest this season as well, three three. Yes. Yeah, so there are memorable equalisers. Well done. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Bristol City are doing well, but along come Norwich. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not fussed about it mainly because of the goal stat we talked about earlier in the pod. They need to score more goals than they do. Uh, I've always really quite liked Andrew Feynman. I've always been an admirer of him, especially at championship level. Um, but short of that, they, they they seem to be... Again, I, mean, I saw the away game on, on the old uh, red button, I think it was. Um, and it they're, they're tidy. They're a tidy championship team. But let's have it right. They're only just six, which says how shit the first half of the season must have been for them to yeah, be on that They're really well-drilled, though, I think. They're, they're a tidy, organised really team, well but we're, you know, we're going to score at least two, maybe three. So you're going to have to score some to, to compete with. I think with a team like that, it's for me, it's important to get that first early goal if you can. When I say early, you don't want it too early. You don't want an Ipswich situation where a couple of minutes in or a minute in, you're a goal up. Because I think that actually took the stuffing out of the whole game, yeah. in my opinion. I think after that, from a fan's point of view, I think it was really quiet. And I actually think it gave Ipswich too much time to get back into the game. It's it like a head of steam, isn't it? Like <coughs> it's yeah. frustrating for me because I was still putting the flags away. So <laughs> well, I, had, I didn't see it neither because obviously I'm pit side. And by the time I got upstairs, I literally heard everyone cheer mid-journey. But I was like, what, what the hell's going yeah. on? Um, so I think if you could look 10 minutes or so into the game, get a goal then. I think that would, A, obviously it gives us a foothold in the game. I think psychologically that will impact on what Bristol City do next because they're evidently going to come here with... You would expect them to have a defensive game plan. You would expect, as most teams will now come into Car Road for the remainder of the season. So it's soak up the pressure that they're going to give us for the first 10 minutes or so. Get a goal in around that period. And then hopefully after that, uh, the quality should quality should shine through. Are you worried in the slightest bit, Punt? Um, I think there's you can probably look at four or five games between now and the end of the season where you think, all right, that's going to be tricky. We may lose because we're going to lose another two or three between now and the end of the season Bristol oh, City's one of those are yeah. we there yeah genuinely and, and actually I think this is the last difficult game we have so Borough away I'd say is really really tricky you'll comfortably get a draw over that Villa away I think when they're on the beach it can go one or two ways we'll almost be up by <laughs> Hopefully it'll be Stoke away then. could be tricky I think we're going to I think we're going to be there or thereabouts by Rotherham away that's bold um, I am bold. You are yeah. bold. You're either one way or the other. I want us other. to go Rotherham away. I told you this because I think that we're going to either seal automatic by then. But because of all these draws that are coming up, so you know Leeds United are playing West Brom, West Brom are playing Sheffield United, except Middlesbrough, etc. Over the next four weeks, there's going to be so much of those top seven yeah. playing each other. If we get if we if we can pick yeah. up if if we're unbeaten in the next four or five weeks, even if a couple of them is draws, I think we we will have enough of a buffer to be there. Because because of the way the fixtures are so fine. Yeah. Sheffield United have got. I looked looked at the 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 run in for the top four. Sheffield United have. By Where far, did you look at it on transfer mark? Or transfer just <laughs> under a rug. <laughs> I, I looked out of the window. And I had some magic beans that my friend gave me, and they Sheffield United uh, have easily just got. Wait for the quiz. <laughs> yeah, Sheffield United have got, but by far. The easiest running after us. I mean, ours is easier than theirs. I think the thing with Sheffield United is how quickly they bounce back from that Villa game. Now, I appreciate they thumped Reading 4 0 as their next game, but if they are leading, like in a tight game with not long to go in the next couple of weeks, that Villa game will play on their own. You're saying it's relatively easy after a derby, but then they, they play Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham at home, granted, that should be a banker. Brentford at home. They can be in and out. Then you Leeds away, Bristol City at home. That's not easy. But with this league, you just don't know. Anyone can literally be anyone within this league. Anything is possible. And you look at some of the teams that are in and around the bottom that are fighting for their lives. Who did Millwall beat? Millwall yeah. took points yeah. off Derby. So yeah. you're looking at that and you're going, that's a coupon buster in yeah. itself because no one's going to expect Millwall to, to win a Derby. So you just, anything can happen in this league. But it is... It's, 
Norwich City have just got to keep their own house in order, let everyone else do what they're doing. We continue to perform to the best of our ability, keep Puki scoring goals, and you know what will be, will be. But I think coming back to me saying we'll lose two or three games between now and the end of the season, if we do, but we record eight wins, nine wins, that's enough. Yeah. We're 88, 89, 90 points, do you know what I mean? We're there. And Leeds, obviously, this week lost Kimo Roof for the rest of the season, yeah. which is a big blow for them. That's he, didn't they say they hoped he might just about be back for towards the end of the season? I think yeah. in, in the official club tweet, they said they were hoping he might right. just make but still, it. It's eight weeks now. He's not it could, it could be, when he comes back. Yeah, and it could be as good no, as done by the time he's back. And he's he's a big player for how they play. Do you think Lionel will start Saturday? Um, I would probably Which start him, but I don't think he will. I think he'll play McLean, and I think I'm fine with that. He was decent against Bolton. Mm. Nice, it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, I think uh, similar with Punt, I think McLean will start, um, and I think Leitner will get more minutes with the idea that he played more. And I think that's the season. perfect player to bring on if you're one, you yeah. know, one up, two one up, half an hour to go, keep the ball. Isn't it bonkers that McLean, who was ba- has basically been a non-entity for months of the season, we're now saying, no, I need to keep him in over the person who's got like the best passing stats but I don't necessarily like think you need league. to. And personally, I'd play Leitner. Yeah. But, you know, provided he's match fit, I would be playing. But isn't that indicative of, of this being just a squad that just keeps contributing? But I think it's Farker trusting his players. Yeah, no, quite might, saying, it like, may well I can't but, drop but, you out. But, ha- but, but the difference in terms of how, as fans, we are that much more <coughs> patient. It's because, been that all season, though, hasn't it? Yeah. Like when Hanley went, got injured after the Ipswich game, everyone was like, oh shit, yeah. Han- Hanley's out. Like, we're going to really miss him. No, it got back in the team. Like it just can't. And every time someone drops out injured, someone just comes in and plays exactly the same way. And again, it, it, it's I know I mentioned it before about <coughs> about the, the team goal. I think it speaks volumes about the squad. And I've been in squads where that wouldn't happen, where you've got someone like a Jordan Rose who is not going to play, and he knows he's not going to play, but yet he's still kissing the badge, he's still cheering, he's still come what game it was, but he was literally warming up and trying to get Timu's attention just to go. Yeah, yeah, just to give him the thumbs up. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Yeah, There's yeah. no. I'm telling you well, now. Farker called him out um, at last night's fan forum, um, yeah, like saying he, he was a really special player, and yeah. he he was saying a similar thing. He hasn't seen kind of squad mentality. Bear in mind the lads on loan. You know, he's not even a permanent member of staff. Exactly. If you were in a squad and someone was in front of you in the team, would you be sat on the bench and get injured? Now be kicking in training. I'll be honest with you. I normally be that one that is like Jordan Rhodes. The only time I had head loss was when I was at Blackpool and I ain't gonna lie, I'd had a five game stinker. I was absolutely atrocious. atrocious. And, uh, <laughs> and Simon Grayson brought in a winger from, um, from Huddersfield at the time called Chris Brandon. So he dragged me at half time, Simon Grayson did, and I was, I was shit, half oh, shit. I deserve to get dragged at half time. But I actually heard Grayson before the game say, I can't drop fours, he's played 36 on the spin, but I'll get you on at half time. So I've gone into the game thinking, yeah. oh, doesn't matter yeah, what yeah, I do, yeah. I'm coming up at half time. So I was pretty much just down to me pants by the time we got into half time. And I remember Grayson going, Forbesy, you don't have to fucking tell me, Gaffer, I know you're dragging me off. I heard you before the game. So I'm literally getting stripped off. Ring the missus, when I come on, we're going. She's like, well, it's only half time, I don't care, we're going. Now, if you picture coming out the main entrance at Carrow Road, director's entrance side, and the car parks around the back end of Bloomfield Road, I hear a cheer when I'm in the dressing room, and I'm thinking, Good, drag me off, and now you've conceded. Walking around, I hear another cheer. All I hear is the guy in the town. I go, and that goal scorer, Blackpool's second goal on his debut, goal number two, Chris Brandon. And I'm thinking, we go back to Swansea in two games. Two games time, I'm going back to Swansea, who I signed from. I can't be sub at Swansea. I can't be. So that's probably the first and only time that Chris Brandon's playing. I'm thinking, get a red card, get an injury. Come off at half time because you're crap and want to come on and play a worldie. He then kicked someone straight red card. <laughs> and I'm inside, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But also, I was like, yes, get, get in there. So it's, I think it's everyone's scenario is different at that time. I had my own personal reasons as to why I wanted to be playing at that time. And I didn't feel that I deserved having played 37 games on the bounce to have been dropped. Um, but it is unfortunate the nature of the beast. Football is a team game made up of individuals and every individual wants to play. So you are going to have people within a group, within a squad that are looking for the next opportunity to get back in. And I, I've not seen many situations like this squad where everyone is pushing in the same direction. Everyone is happy for that person is playing. But equally, they're ready and prepared when they do get on the pitch to go and perform 
and take over where said person's left off. Ben Godfrey's your perfect example. He's not a centre back. Yeah. He's not a centre back. He's like no problem. Gaffer, I'll step in there and do a fantastic job. It, it's remo- it, for me. It, it's remarkable. It do you really think is. he's a centre back now? Good question. Good question. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great string to have to his bow that actually he can perform at the highest level in the championship, which it is. Um, at centre back, when actually most people had looked at him as playing your number four, your number six, your defensive midfielder yeah. sort of role, almost like what um, Alex Tetty would do. So, do you think he, do you think he's got the technical ability to play as a four? And I know Tetty does it, but yeah, it's Tetty. He gets a bit of a pass, um, which is ironic because I'm talking about how bad his passing is. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do you think in, in the Farker model, do you think there's ever going to be a route into playing number four for for Godfrey? Because is he? I mean, because we've not really seen him enough at first team level to see what his passing is like. But it doesn't strike me as being quite as good on the ball as what we would normally have in centre mid? It's a good question. And as you've just said yourself, no one's seen it. Yeah. And I can remember him coming in um, as a younger player and player in that, playing in that role for a 23s, obviously when he went to, uh, to Shrewsbury and he did it and he did it really well. Um, he was sort of in the Huddleston mould, wasn't he? Yeah, like yeah. pinging lefts and rights. Yeah, and so he definitely has the attributes, attributes to do that. I think with the current style of play and him playing centre-back, he doesn't necessarily need to pass him, pass the ball over too many very distances because the movement of those in front of him is so good. He can play the simple passes into those players who will then go and play those attacking passes, whether it's, I don't know, if you're looking at Max Ahrens, he's so high up as a right-back now. Ben's just got to give him that ball and off he goes. So I think he can do it, but the, the reality is now I think he'll be happy if you want to play centre-back, I'll play. If you want to be a holding midfielder, I'll play. He's going to get a title right medal. Back. He'll be happy wherever he gets. Yeah. As long as I'm playing, I don't care. I don't care. You, you, you're scoffing at that. You don't think I, love, the I love how up and down you are. <laughs> well, I haven't been down for ages. No, because no, we've been playing well. <laughs> but I don't, see, still, I don't see the problem with that. I still that. find I it incongruous. Being, I, don't, I don't see the problem I still with being find Farco out to four more years incongruous. <laughs> it still delights but it's, me. But it's, it's, it's simple heart on sleeve fandom. I, I, I don't it's have, delightful. I don't, have the, I don't see there's any point in being anything other than we're losing, everything's shit, the world is over, we're winning, I love the world, everything's brilliant, let me buy everyone a beer. Like, I, I don't, like, that, to me, that's what football's that's always football. been. That, and that's the yeah. point. I find you delightful. Well, that's kind. Can we have some questions for Mr. Forbes, please? Yeah, we can. There we go. Let's do the CNA one first. Let's clear that up. We're getting rid of this. we've touched on it already. Okay, so Michael Smith on Twitter says, The closure of CNA, Forbesy, (laughs) was a bastard for CNA CNA knitwear back in the day. You couldn't get enough of it. You were always in there. Can you clear this up for us? Were you, always, were you? you were always in there. Michael Smith must have always well, been in there. I'm presuming Michael has worked there. If he can get he in touch CCT, and just let us know. He was a CCTV well, operator. Or he was talking Forbesy. I mean, well, it's Michael, one of two, isn't it? Michael, there's one of two things I want to know. Is A, is there any video footage of me being in CNA? And, <laughs> and how do you know this? I can't personally remember me buying any knitwear from <laughs> CNA. I'm not a knitwear kind of guy, you know. I was brought up on a council estate in London for, for my young tender ages. I don't think knitwear from CNA was something I went with. Our friend Liz Howler has said, Any insight on the atmosphere behind the scenes when Lambert got sent off at the derby? Oh, I was livid because there was no full time scores. Yeah. So if there's any full time scores, I would have been pit side when it had kicked off yeah, yeah. it was just before half time. Um, oh, half time scores from the other games, you mean? Yeah, so, course, was, so yeah. we would have been normally one person stays upstairs and does the final minutes, and one person goes down. So you could have been in there. So I could have been in there. I might have given him a little jab. I've got to be honest <laughs> with you, because yeah, he banned me from the training round a few years back. Another story. Um, it's a story that's the next question. <laughs> yeah, we'll get on to that. Um, but no, there's no real other than uh, Chris Domagala was the one that got sent off down the tunnel, but. The reality is, it looked more like the goalkeeping coach. Yeah, to be honest, with you. Yeah. Was, well, that was, that was who ended up having the chat. But, but yeah. um, no, that, he was the guy that got uh, got got sent off. Sexy. This one's from a Scottish gentleman called, called uh, Paul Lambert. He says he banned you from the training ground, <laughs> and he said he can't remember why. Could you could you remind us? He said it was a period of time where. It was basically he didn't want any ex-players anywhere near the training ground. I don't know if he saw me who had just quit playing without one coaching qualification as a threat. I don't know. But yeah, it was basically I had to quit playing after operation number 11 on one knee. Um, The club wanted me to come in and just be around the the younger players, help them, advise them, do a bit of coaching. Nah, don't want him anywhere near the ground. So it was me along with a few others weren't allowed in. And then it was actually... um, 
after he left, I was able to start going in and doing some part-time work. Um, and the rest is history, as they say, but no, not allowed near the ground. But it's interesting that, that that has, we have heard that about two or three managers though, like especially in their first year, yeah. they, they, there's been some senior pros they'd rather not be around yeah. to help their influence be a bit bigger. Is, is that something that you think is widespread throughout football or is that a particularly colony thing? Uh, to be fair, I'm not, Here's the only way I've seen it. If I go back to one of my <coughs> my other clubs, Swansea, they you know they welcome ex players back with with open arms, and they've got a lot within their within their coaching fraternity there. So it's it's a strange one. I, I can see it to an extent because that manager will want to come in and stamp their authority, and the last thing they want is someone from the past who might have an influence with staff or with fans to be talking above him or talking louder than that person. So I do get it, but I think you've also got to take each person on merit. You know, with all due respect, yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I literally just stopped playing. Norwich City weren't paying any attention to me as a first team manager. They're not doing it now, and they weren't doing it. <laughs> doing it. So, to be fair, so, we are doing quite well, mate. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't take fair. that too personally. No, that was a lovely pitch, <laughs> but <laughs> ten years time, give me a shout. Yeah. No, it's two so. or three draws, Daniel. I'll be, I'll be oh. on the <laughs> Delia, he's, what's he doing? What's he doing? We dropped a third. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll be on you the podcast. I'll be on the podcast. He's fucking here. Get Forbesy in. and Russ's assistant, and get Holtie doing the goalkeeping coaches. So next one is from Ian Norman, mm-hmm. and he says, "Does the current Norwich setup now leave youth players in a better position to cope with life outside of football? Should they not go professional? Ooh, it appears there's question. a lot more effort going into that side of things to round them as humans, I guess, rather than just footballers." There, there is, you know, we touched on it at the start. The the amount of expertise they now have, you know, at hand, and if you look at it from you've got the football coach you've got someone that's in charge of education and welfare you've got a player care manager you've got so many things that these boys are now open to and are made to experience is going to set them up for later life I think the real key and important thing for certainly for me as a coach there is and some of the younger players the younger to older players that I speak to is the importance of understanding that your career is not going to last forever Um, I thought mine was and then before I know it, at 32, I've been, I'm in a doctor's, I'm in a hospital in London being told, if you don't want to end up in a wheelchair and you want a quality of life, you must quit football and you must quit today. And it was literally rug pulled underneath me from there and then. And then I'm like, what do I do now? <laughs> Since I made my debut for Norwich City, it just turned 17. I've only played football. I know nothing else. Didn't have any coaching qualifications. What do you do? So I've almost had to start again at 32 and rebuild a completely second second life. And I've been fortunate enough that I say my club, because Norwich is my club, they gave me my first career as a player and now it's given me career number two as a coach. But players now, you have to make sure you've got something to fall back on. And the one thing the club do now, certainly the older players, we've got a player care manager in there that does you know, get them cooking. Silly as it sounds, teaching them how to cook is massive because these boys have never had to do that, so they can now cook. They have been, they are being open to through things like the PFA of whether it be plumbing, bricklaying, those jobs that there's always going to need to be a plumber, there's always going to be need to be a bricklayer. So actually, yes, we understand you want to be a football footballer, but it's got to be football and something, not football or something, yeah. if that makes sense. So yeah. I think definitely, I can only speak for Norwich City but we are definitely trying to give the boys the best opportunity to develop their football skills and be the best footballer they can be first of all they've got to be the best person they can be and that for me is fundamental because if you're not a nice person you're not going to survive in the game anyway but actually what other tools can we give you in your bag so when the football stops what are you going to move on to next and the support we give them even after I mean the reality is I've had to let one of our players go who's just unfortunately not at the at the required level so sometimes you've got to let a player go and find themselves and go away mature grow up and then they come back in but any players we do let go we will always look after them after that get them another club if that's what they want um, other qualifications etc so to answer the question Norwich City is definitely set up where they look after person first and the footballer but it's football and not football or if that makes good. sense no, it makes perfect sense that's great you mentioned about uh you can't be a nice person in the game. Um, there's a difference in how much shouting and balling you can do at, at well-played professionals and expect them to, yeah. to, to react. Um, do you think that there is there there are now more nice guys in the game than there used to be? There's certainly fewer hard, hard men. Um, some referees don't seem to think it's a contact sport at all. Mm-hmm. But do you think that actually being a bit more articulate, being a bit brighter, 
um, being a bit more pleasant and having decent interpersonal skills other than just shouting louder than the other person. Is that now something a coach would look for and, and, and that might be the difference between two players who have a similar ability, one getting ahead? I think it's down to, it's dependent on that manager as well, to be honest with you, because if that manager is someone that likes, so I hate to bring him up again, but Lambert spoke about his players showing a bit of fight yeah. against us. I didn't personally see it myself, <laughs> but that's what he was looking for on the day. That's what he wanted. So They picked the ball out their neck quite angrily. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A couple of few times as well. Mm-hmm. But he would be what I predominantly class as, no respect, an old school manager that wants to shout, wants to point the finger, wants to throw a few Fs into their team at half-time, get yourself out there, sort yourself out. Whereas managers nowadays, and I notice it's just starting to change slightly as I come to the back end of my career, less shouting, less teacups be thrown, less... I was going to say jugs, but I've had a kettle thrown at me by joking here. <laughs> yeah. So it's. I think. I think the game. The game has evolved, and management styles have evolved, and I think players have evolved, and I think with that comes a different strategy and a different style of management stroke coaching. Definitely. It's a shame for me that we'll never see another John Sinnott, that classic YouTube clip. If you go really? far enough down the league, you will. I guess maybe. Yeah. And that is a hell of a clip. What a clip there. And you must have been in dressing rooms like that. Like the one oh, where you yeah. get a kettle thrown at you. That oh, yeah. must have been a similar Yeah, I can remember I can remember joking here. Joking here when he he when he on my first home game for Luton when I signed from Norwich. He came and he used to do this thing where he'd have his car keys on him. Really random, but he'd have his car keys on him and he'd clean his ears out. And he'd be doing that at half time. And I'm my first game and I'm sort of sitting there. <laughs> What the hell is this guy doing? Forbesy, 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 fucking Forbesy, hey? Just put a down payment on you, son. Seventy your grand I put down on you, it's gonna rise if you play well for me. But judging on that performance, I ain't gonna have to pay much fucking more. And I'm like, Jesus, he went, actually, the board are gonna probably ask me if I kept the fucking receipt, because you've been shit. Oh my god. That's like 45 minutes into my first game. <laughs> this is going well. This is going, yeah, and this guy expects me to go and perform second half. But that was then. You you would never, ever, ever get away with speaking to a player. Nowadays, because I think the player would just come back at you, the player would revolt, whereas I was just rabbit in the headlights thinking, I've got to prove this guy wrong somehow, unfortunately. I, I did, but yeah, the, the game's just changed and the managers have changed, and I think they've had to move with the times, to be honest with you. Just in any walk of life, no, you can't can't speak to people like that anymore. You can't, but I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> got to say. <laughs> All right, what should we go for next? There's a bit around your stadium announcement. Let's go okay. for an, Anita's. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she says, I love listening to Forbesy on the Faker you. Games. And if you hadn't had such a great career at football, would you have turned to voiceovers? Oh, it's a bit. <laughs> it's not too late. It's or, a bit. Or, still, there's still time. Or can you sing? Because she'd quite like you to serenade her. So I think she's... Oh. It's getting a bit... She's oh. a bit keen. It's getting a bit keen, though. It's interesting. It? What's her name? Calm down, Anita. That's a, Just a bit <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> We'll have a look at that later. Um, <laughs> right, well, Anita, I think, first of all, there is still time for me to do the voiceover stuff. And it has been mentioned before, but I didn't follow it through. Um... But it is something I have considered randomly. I um, think that'd be a really lovely job, just talking. Just money for it. Right, you can get sure. a nice DM line at home and just record and send your clips send in all clips. Well. Lovely. And the random thing is, believe it or not, when I first moved to Norwich, I was a typical Londoner with the London Cockney accent, like I was a proper rude boy. So I don't know how I've ended up speaking like this. But, no, I can't sing. Um, if I was going to serenade it, it would probably be a, little, a bit of Luther Vandross, to be honest oh. with you. That's probably a bit over smooth, that is. Filthy, isn't it? that is. That is yeah, Luther would be the one, Anita, so I'll think of a tune and um, see what I can do. While we're on the stage, you're going to slide into your DMs. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to add your DMs. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on stadium announcing, we're chatting uh, before we start the record. Yeah. Oh, so, is, is, do you refer to yourself as Carrow Road Hype Man? Like that, that was how I, I bigged you up. I'd, I'd like to think that that's the job title on your business card. And coach is very small writing underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little sideline. Yeah. First of all, you said about wearing number seventeen. Emmy's flying in the number seventeen. I've got. Um, yeah. yeah. I've got to hand it over to him. You can take that, mate. You've been absolutely superb. I don't know, I've just... You were 19 as well, you and Laps. Me and Laps, we did, we did. I think I've just sort of, just PA announcer. I've never really, a lot of people have said how, just talking to people in the street, they, they prefer me announcing when I announce the home teams, they prefer when I announce a team out. It's not something I ever dreamt I'd end up doing um, until I sort of got bullied into it. Reading by aloud, McNally. basically. Yeah, got <laughs> literally bullied into it by McNally, to be honest with you. On that, um, actually, because we're quite big on the atmosphere stuff. Yeah. 
How um, who would we need to speak to in order to get you when we score a goal to read out Emmy Buendia and then just shout Emmy and let the crowd finish it? Well, that's something I've heard other clubs do that, and I've often wondered exactly the same. How do you get that? Because the last thing I'd want to go is uh, goal scorer for Norris City, number seventeen, Emmy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm waiting for you guys that's to get it going. So strange yeah. reserve Norfolk type. <laughs> What's he talking about? Is he waiting for us to say something? <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. He's quite spoken. I am. Did so. he know who he is? <laughs> <laughs> Can you not read the shirt from there? That's exactly what I'm thinking. Would I get something like Watching that? Pushing it far away on. But. Yeah, for me, I'd I'd be open to that, and I can definitely speak to to Zoe and see see what she thinks. But it's anything like that that can get the crowd more involved and get the crowd behind the boys, and you actually get the crowd behind us guys that are on the mic, because we we're trying to get those fans, twenty seven thousand of them, as crazy and as hyped up and as lively as as we can, and we we think we do a good job. For me, if anyone sees me or anyone's got any questions or anything they think I could do differently or word differently. Can't promise I can do them all because obviously I've got a higher power. But yeah, the more we can get the atmosphere better. And you know, we're talking about the games leading up to the end of the season and this, that, and the other. And I know it's an old cliche about the 12th man, but the fans genuinely can be that. It makes a huge, huge difference when they are singing non stop. Some of the songs that in the Ipswich game was absolutely brilliant. But can we have that mentality every week? Mm. Can it be a Norwich yeah. Ipswich derby? every week can we have that because it makes a huge difference it really does there's a little thing that we were talking about on our um, whatsapp group actually because you read the the home team out and you kind of give the big one to all the all the players who are starting and then it's kind of oh and the substitutes and you kind yeah. of rattle through them yeah. and one suggestion that um, one of us put on there I can't remember who it was was it Dave, Dave. Yeah. Um, said oh at the end of that can you then say and our head coach Daniel Farker because I think immediately his stock is so high so high that it would just lift everyone. I mean, yeah, and Dave made a really nice point in that like the team all get a cheer, but the substitute, by their nature, it yeah, just slides yeah, yeah. away. Yeah. So if there was a thing just at the end, obviously you can't do the subs first. To then bring it back if up. there's another thing at the end to bring yeah. it up. And bring it back up. And also most of those subs have now played quite a few games because we've used so many players <laughs> yeah, in the squad. Yeah. And, it, and it is but like, your head coach, Daniel Farquhar. Yeah, that's, 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 really like, that's, that's an interesting shout. And I don't know, it's funny you say that, about, but there is, it's just a natural... And the substitutes today for Norwich. Everything goes quieter, it's yeah. a bit more, it is sombre yeah. in comparison. So, again, that's something that we can look at, and I'll definitely feed that back. And I like to shout about Daniel, actually. Uh, yeah, very good. Like so, we were chatting before uh, we started recording because Tom couldn't get the microphone to work. <laughs> and we asked about whether or not you've had any issues where you can't get the microphone to work at Cow Road, <laughs> and you had a fantastic story which has to. It has to be shared. Well, you know, I was saying, I was saying that we had—I um, forget her name now—a soprano that came in. Um, she was singing before. It's Haley something. I it is Haley something. Saying. I can't remember. I can't remember her surname. Haley, the singing lady. Yes, but she was singing anyway, and she brought certain equipment that linked to the equipment we would have for our for the whole PA system. Um, and I can't remember who it was against, but it was obviously going back a couple of years now. And I just remember being on the pitch. And today's Norwich City start eleven in goal number one John Ruddy. Through my earpiece, stop forty, stop, stop. We just had word that it's gone through to the train station. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm literally, as you can imagine, I'm pit side. The pressure's on because all eyes are on me with my yellow mic on the pitch. Well, who's next? <laughs> who's next? And I'm waiting for clarification and confirmation that I can go with with said next player. But it's just I'm trying to then be professional and announce the next player. And all I've got is. Someone's on the platform at the train station looking around going, well, I thought this was the train to Liverpool Street. <laughs> but instead of platform one, leaves, number, leaves John Ruddy. So, yeah, a bit of a mishap, but we managed to work our way through it. This week... The Along Come Norwich quiz questions are themed to reflect the Champions League that's come back this week with a vengeance. Uh, and of course, Forbes' era at Norwich City and Forbes' yeah. as, a, as a player and some also random shit thrown together as well. Okay. Now, it's the same for everyone, sloping pitch and all that. It's as factually inaccurate for everyone playing along at home as it is for around the table today. <laughs> so, Forbesy, you've got <laughs> six <laughs> questions, you've got a minute to answer them. And your time, don't forget you can say pass at any oh, point. I think I will be saying pass. Your time starts now. Which non-Spanish player has made the most Champions League appearances? 
Ever. 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 Yeah. Non-Spanish. Yeah. Pass the next one. Pass. Okay. In which year did you sign for Grimsby? <laughs> Head and hands. 2011. Close. Which team won Division 1 with 101 points the last season you played with Norwich? Oh my God. Fulham? Correct. Uh, who used to play at Ayrson Park? Sunderland? Incorrect. Where did Peter Crouch move to in the most recent January transfer window? Burnley. Correct. Uh, name one of the teams that have got relegated with the most points from their Premier League. Bolton. Incorrect. Uh, which non-Spanish player has made the most Champions League appearances? Jesus, that is a, that is a tough one. Name a year you signed for Grimsby. 2010. Closer. 12. Closer. <laughs> <laughs> he used to play at No, he wasn't closer, it was further away. Why have I got a hole in my head? It's not Stop! Hole. You were oh. geographically right with yeah, uh, so Middlesbrough. Oh, for God's Two sake. out of six is not bad at all. Yeah, it's a good score uh, in this quiz. The, which non-Spanish player has made the most Champions League appearances? Buffon. Buffon. Surely. Surely. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. It's not Spanish, is he? Yeah. Neither is Buffon. Can't have that. Played in goal. All right. No, I'm just about to fact check. Ike Casillas has made the most. Okay. Buffon isn't even in the top five, and I can't go any further because it might come up. It might come up. It might come up. You signed for Grimsby in 2009. You were so close. Um, You got Fulham, 101 points. Uh, As we've already pointed out, Middlesbrough played at Ayrson Park. You got Peter Crouch going to Burnley. Uh, You could have had either, I would have accepted either Crystal Palace in a 42 game season or West Ham in a 38 game season with, with most points. Crystal Palace went down with 49 points. Really? 49? Yeah. So that, that was a 42 40 game season. And was that the season they put four down instead of three? That was 92 93. So, yeah, so that would have been the first yeah. one. So, the question is where the hell did I get Bolton from? Well, they get relegated a lot. Mm, yeah. <laughs> True. And, and again, <laughs> might come up. Uh, <laughs> John, maybe we shouldn't talk about the questions. Yeah. Uh, John, fun. Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to already. <laughs> John, your time. Starts now. Where is the Champions League final hosted this year? Oh, fuck, no, it's Russia. <laughs> Incorrect. I need a city. Where did Forbesy go after Norwich? Uh, Luton. Correct. Who started as manager in Forbesy's last full season at Norwich? Mike Walker. Incorrect. Who used to play at Plough Lane? Wimbledon. Correct. Where did Cardiff sign Omar Nias from in the most recent transfer window? Everton. Correct. Uh, name one of the teams who hold the record for the most defeats in a Premier League season. Norwich. Incorrect. Um, where is the Champions League final hosted this year? Uh, who started as manager in Forbes' last full season at Norwich? Bruce Rioch. Incorrect. Uh, uh, name one of the teams who hold the record for the most defeats in the Premier League season. Sunderland. In, uh, correct. Uh, where is the Champions League final hosted this year? Paris. Incorrect. Who started as manager in Forbes' last full season at Norwich? Brian Hamilton. Correct. Where is the Champions League final hosted this year for six? Uh, A city. Rome. It, where is the Champions Barcelona. League? Barcelona. Keep going. Keep going, keep going. Fucking oh, oh, mate, so close to a six. You've never had a six. It's Madrid. Oh, oh he's had all the six. I would have gone through every single one by that as well. I've been to Madrid. He's, he's done, done really well with all the others. Really well. I mean, you got a bit of a layout because Forbes started banging on about Luton earlier. But, <laughs> I didn't know that. I'd looked up for. And also, Omar Nias. I, I thought I was going to get them to a fucking stupid question. No, it was. Good question, that. I'd have known that. So. Lorney, you need six to win, five to go to a tie break. Piece of piss, there's no point in three doing it. Three to come second. You said that last time. I'll just call me the winner. Tiebreaker, right? Which, uh, the tiebreaker is good uh, tonight as well. You always say that. It, I think it is this one. Um, just go. Your time starts, Lorney, now. Which midfielder has the most Champions League appearances ever? You're not counting Ronaldo as a midfielder. No, I'm not. Forward. Uh, Iniesta. In- in- incorrect. Which team did Forbes join after Luton? Um... Grimsby. No, not been listening. Which Black soccer Hall. Saturday regular played with Forbesy for Norwich? A soccer Saturday regular played for Forbesy for uh, Scott Parker. Incorrect. Who used to play their games at Layer Road? Uh, Colchester. Who signed Leandro Bakuna in the most recent transfer window? Um, Cardiff. Correct. Name one of the teams with the most home draws in a season in the Premier League. Uh, Derby. Incorrect. Uh, which midfielder has played the most Champions League appearances ever? Javi. Correct. Uh, who did Forbesy join after Luton? Blackpool. Incorrect. Which soccer Saturday regular played with Forbesy for Norwich? Uh, pass. In, uh, yeah, incorrect. Uh, uh, name one of the teams with the most home draws in the season, Premier League. Uh, Crystal Palace. Incorrect. Which team did Forbesy join after Luton? Uh, he's mentioned a lot of teams. Yeah, he's he mentioned these a couple of, of times. He went for them. Um, 
Swansea. Yes. Uh, which Soccer Saturday regular played with Swansea? Oh, 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 so we are usually like one or two, <laughs> honestly, mate. Soccer so, Saturday. Forbesy went to uh, afternoon went to Swansea, mm-hmm. uh, and number eight, very brief stint, played uh, a forward. West Ham. Everton. Tony Cotty. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, and you could have had Sheffield Wednesday, Leicester City, or Manchester United, as they got the joint most home draws in a season with ten. Man United. Most draws. So most home draws. Yeah, he changed. I'd have got. Had he said most home draws, I'd have got it. Yeah, definitely. Do the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker <laughs> is how many different goal scorers have Norwich had this season? Oh, that is a good question. A few. Yeah. And and an exact guess we can't have a, a higher and lower only an exact guess and as our guest you can go first Forbesy seven nine thirteen sixteen is the answer so oh, sixteen sixteen according to transfer market <laughs> <laughs> if, if I've understood <laughs> the German heading we might not even be German I'm not sponsored by that website and on that note <laughs> Uh, please uh, like us and rate us and review us and all of that kind of shit. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, Forty. Thank you so much for coming. Thank and talking you for having me, chat. Thank you. Oh, thank you for attending. Cheers. Lauren, you've also been noted as being here. <laughs> bye bye, Nodcasters. Enjoy Bristol City. For Forbesy? Good question. You tell me. Oh, I know a joke about this. Okay. Is, is, is it clean? That's why you buy, that's why you, uh, you buy your pants. Um, no, your knickers. As a girl, you buy your pants from uh, CNA because they tell you which way around to have them. <laughs> right, okay. That's an edit. Okay. I like it. Moving on. Solid joke. Try that on the mic on Saturday. Brilliant. Solid joke. Right, next one. Right, Liz Howler.